0: The subject of the evening talk is Exploring Love. For generation upon generation, century upon century, as men and women we uh, have been and continue to be very much fascinated with love, and with what love is. And this fascination, which has been, the thought, been so much of our thought, and our interest and focus, has also, of course, affected quite considerably the arts, the literature, and music, and various forms of creativity and of course has found its expression very noticeably through religion and religious forms. And we in our everyday life constantly strive to find vehicles to express love and perhaps even to to, to actually find love within ourselves. And we see that our contemporary uh, world is no longer occupied with this very vast and deep field than any other previous generation. And this uh, this area, this extensive field of love, obviously has something very much to do with ourselves as human beings, our capacities, our ability in a very full and rich, rich way to respond to life through the medium of the heart, and at times we have perhaps noticed within within ourselves that there seems there seems or there appears to, to be something of a, a shortage within ourselves of of, of love, and we have noticed this shortage perhaps in particular situations and circumstances in our life. Where it becomes very difficult to gain access to this, to this feeling, this rich and deep feeling, and in not gaining access, of course, we are unable to manifest it, to bring it to a situation or to a person or place that, that we would like to do. And we become perhaps very much aware—not so much, I would say, of its of its opposite. I don't believe that love actually has any opposite to it. But we become aware of patterns and tendencies within ourselves which seem to inhibit and limit, if not put an active break on, the real free flow of the feeling of love in this world and generating it, not only to others and to life, but also equally important, of course, is to ourselves. And perhaps to some degree, as a result of this sense that it isn't getting expressed, that there's a a lack of clarity, a lack of sensitivity, a lack of being able to reciprocate and generate this feeling within ourselves. There has come about a whole new, not to say new, but fresh awarenesses of the importance of the past and how it's necessary perhaps, to explore the personal past, the actual history, to gain and to shed some light on those factors and those issues and early experiences which affect us in the present, which stop us from being a um, a truly loving person. And as a result, obviously, that therapy has and continues and and in a very much in a growing way con- continues to become within our western uh, society something of a resource for people to be able to see well what 's happening to me what what actually has been happening uh, to me, and what are the ways that this is affecting my my relationship, and sometimes my entire relationship to life—that certainly can have a um, great usefulness. It can shed on oneself um, a great deal of um, self-knowledge, and one can learn a great deal about the past and its relationship to the present, the formative influences of parents by their presence, by their absence, by their by their manner, and so forth. But within any of that kind of process of inquiry, reflection, exploration of the past, in order to be clear about what's happening, there's also a danger. There are a number of dangers, and anything in life can be a danger. One of the dangers in this is that our actual view, our view of ourselves, and our view of the past, tends very easily to become somewhat darkened somewhat coloured somewhat even distorted by the preoccupation with ourselves of all that isn't right of all that shouldn't have taken place all that we need to change in ourselves and when this preoccupation in this way gains a certain certain kind of Strength it easily sets in an even more um rigid view of ourselves and of what we are and of and of who we are and so past and present very easily the past gets a kind of a general overall negative view about it because we get we get preoccupied with it. And we fail to see, appreciate, acknowledge, and have respect for what's beneficial, what's truly beneficial in our past, in our early past, and the way that that comes into our present. And rather unfortunately, this kind of dark view, I would say, or negative negative view, which fault-finding goes to early experiences, fault-finding goes to parents, fault-finding goes to uh, um, society, to education, and those formative influences, certainly they may not be helpful, certainly they may not be particularly supportive. But in this looking in this way, as though we start off, or we assume we start off with a somewhat clean slate and it gradually becomes murkier and murkier, tends, I would say, also rather easily to go along with a a view which is somewhat predominant in Christianity and, uh, and and the kind of religion where one takes the view of original sin and I a kind of feeling of uncomfortableness in myself with this whole kind of concept. It's the concept that one starts off in some way bad, or some way a failure, or something has gone wrong right from the beginning, and for the rest of one's life, to some way or other, one is trying to recover, or trying to regain some clarity, some stability, some love and some ca- some compassion in life. And of course, if one has come from uh, that kind of view in terms of looking at the past and on top of the in that way, then on top of that, looking on it in terms of um, through uh, um, the... Uh, rather dogmatic and narrow religious eyes, it tends very, very easily to play on feelings inside of oneself of regret, sorrow, anxiety, fear, guilt. All of this gets associated and locked in to the whole perception of the past. And sometimes religion and particularly very orthodox religion, has very unwisely played upon all of these feelings in oneself, and therefore generated inside of ourselves, and increased fear, increased guilt. and told us, therefore, that we really have to change, that we have to undergo dramatic changes as human beings because we have this overwhelming backlog of stuff. And so the answer in religion to to this seeming difficulty of ourselves as human beings, the answer in religion is that one undergoes a somewhat dramatic change inside of oneself, the the born again, and all the religions speak of this in some way or other, the kind of born again experience in which being born again is one in which one to some degree rather say dies to all of one's early past, all and enters into a new life. And for human beings who have been subjected to and have experienced a great deal of pain, um, fear, guilt, the prospect of a dramatic immediacy of change into a new life in God, a new life in Jesus, a new life in what, whatever, obviously must be incredibly appealing. Because it's saving oneself, so to speak, from having actually to work all of this out, even if that, if that concept is even means anything, to anybody. But it's something doesn't feel to me something doesn't feel right, ab- right about it, and to some degree or other, contemporary therapy. Speaking again, very generally. Doesn't usually offer that kind of dramatic kind of change. It does say, your past influences your present. You better get a handle on all these kind of influences. Better understand the mechanics and the process and shed some light. Come to some clarity so that one isn't so much immersed in that, and one can see and act more freely. So one has here. In very general terms, two ways of approaching us as human beings to help us deal with what seems to be, in either case, something of a dark past. And if it wasn't that there was, if there wasn't such a thing as a dark past, one wouldn't have any need. A religion which offers one solution to it, or therapy, it would have no purpose now in our rela- in our relation in our relationship to life i wonder I wonder if it's necessary absolutely necessary for us to approach life and therefore our personal history and who and what we are in those kind of terms. Even the very fact that when you and I come here to meditation retreat, to some degree or other, there are naturally self-serving motives for being here. The motive is May v- or may vary, but to some degree it may be there are things which I don't like, therefore I wish to change, therefore I want to go from how I have been into a better, clearer, more loving, compassionate, insightful, wise or <laughs> whatever, you just put the word that you like and I'll put the ones that I like. You know. and, and so when... S- still to some degree or other is rather approaching the area of love in its manifestation, its generation in those eyes and they seem it seems so real and so valid that one hardly thinks there's a prospect for an alternative I hope you're not sitting here waiting for me to <laughs> yeah, I thought you would be <laughs> Where do I go now? (laughs) In this area of this fight of our looking, first of all, um, it seems to me that it may, at one level, let us put it like this, it may all seem very right. It may seem, yes, in fact, this is the way things actually are. And to some degree or other, one may cooperate and and share that particular view and opinion. But what doesn't feel right to me, or what doesn't sit sit right with me, is that it seems to me that within that looking in that exploration, there's something amiss about human beings and about... Organic life and about love as a, a natural experience, something which is truly um, indigenous to human life, which belongs, which is irreplaceable in, indispensable and and, there, and therefore this it 's so easily to uh, assume or, or to take up what I would call a somewhat clouded view about human beings and the love which is present with a human being it certainly may get perverted and distorted and com- and so much out of sync but if there's not the acknowledgement for that with a human being in the present i feel that a human being as an organic living Person is in some way truly undermined. In love and a human being it seems to me go together. Is not the that one is to create more love and bring it into ourselves, or to to get rid of all of the past, or 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 cut it off and, and be born again. This, I feel, is a kind of limited solution to it. I, don't think it's, it. I don't think it's necessary for all that. It's much more a simple, clear and direct receptivity and awareness that love and human beings go together and are inseparable from each other, regardless of the distortion which takes place. And and part of why that kind of um, um, touches on touches on me a little bit is that one of the things which one notices just in one's r- um, reading, I don't, I um, I've had um, recently a little splurge on um, reading um, biographies and of, of um, different people in in different fields. And just also, just from the general knowledge and information that one has. And, and so often the type of people that one is uh, um, interested uh, in, both of the present and the past. I mean, sh- shall we say, caring people or thought- and thoughtful people and um, conscious, uh, active people. who People who, we, you and I might say, generate love in this world and uh, to, some, to some degree, to other, to the best of uh, her or his uh, capacity. And one of the things which keeps striking me again and again in reading and talking and just the general knowledge that I have and you have is there's no common feature about the past. There is no, n- there's no kind of similar um, um, manifestation in relationship to anything which has gone by. In other words, the circumstances of the birth the upbringing, the place, the presence or absence of parents, the, the uh, brothers, the sisters, the education, etc., etc. The diversity of background is phenomenal. So vast and extensive in its diversity that, no, that one cannot come up and say, Haha, this produces... This is the means which brings about a truly spiritual person, a truly psychologically healthy person, a truly loving person. One can't, I don't believe one can see, in my limited knowledge, one can see a thread which is common to all. Some have had beautiful upbringings and parents and supportive, and some have had devastating ones and yet somehow or other the potency and the influences of those haven't been able to put the brake on to stamp out to suffocate the love and therefore when I speak of love and and uh, feel or communicate and uh, it it I personally regard it as a force, a human force, an experiential force, which is of such an order in life that no social form, structure, background or whatever has in itself the capacity to deny this mode of expression. Mind you, at times, it certainly seems like it. <laughs> at times, it certainly seems that the structure, the form, the the, 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 the pressure, the upbringing, etc., etc., et as it were, negates this. But again, there are far too many testimonies of people, whether through the religion, whether through therapy, whether through discovery or self-realization or or whatever, who have undergone or has come about once again that, that, that upsurge, that, that bringing and channeling out of oneself some direct, say, direct love in life, in spite of the seemingly impossible circumstances which one would assume would stop it. Like I was mentioning you, the, 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 this uh, fine woman with um, um, brain cancer hasn't had the power to hinder the, the flow of love. This area, this, this. Um, expression and, and, and manifest, manifestation of, of love. Yet there are times when one feels and experiences quite directly a certain, a certain emptiness in oneself. An, em- an emptiness, by that I mean an emptiness in its negative uh, uh, connotation an emptiness in which one doesn't feel inside of oneself that anything is truly generating, manifesting. And in that, one's daily life may well feel and and be experienced as being far too fragmented, that there is far too much in the way of structure in the mind, far too much preoccupation with things, with getting on, with success, those things which we have been uh, discussing here. And because them, because one gets locked, as we would often say, locked in our head, and in spending a considerable degree of time in one's life, locked in one's head, in all the forms that it takes, when one comes to try to gain access to the heart and to love and to it as a vehicle, one may feel not that. One may feel emptiness. And, uh, and then, as a result, draw some conclusion. You know, I'm such an empty person. There's no real love in me. I don't know really what love is. And so the ego structure moves into a locked area, a cerebral area. It gets so disassociated, from it, that when one starts to actually come back to the heart, one can't find it there. It just feels it feels very very empty inside, and one can then start drawing, understandably but mistakenly, start drawing the conclusion there must be something seriously wrong here. I I couldn't, in in a sweeping generalized form, one might be saying. I obviously didn't receive enough love in my childhood because if I had received real love in my childhood I would surely be feeling and experience its, in, its manifestation today. It may not be at all. And so often our poor old parents, are on, <laughs> they're on the receiving end of so much of our, the fault of all our failings. You know, that poor innocent, they did their level best So I would say that this m- going deeper into oneself and as it were coming out of one's head sphere or sometimes it's just coming out of that, the form of ego structure which for years, and this is a, a criticism of our society, which for years as such has been one which we've ignored love because of the degree of self-interest and there's been such a preoccupation with self-interest and what I want that we've perhaps been able to go a long time without really be con- being concerned with what our with our heart, unless it's in some self-interest form. The personal relationship being a typical example. So in in our. So it very easily we, we space out or we're just caught in self-interest or we're just caught up in cerebral activity. There's a, a tremendous alienation from the heart. We come to the heart, it feels void. Out of that comes a conclusion if something is, is, is wrong. We start delving into the past. It may or may not be appropriate, but what may be appropriate is to stay right where that emptiness is is, and that's hard to do. So in our exploration in our, and, and our, of love, in, in actually going deeper into ourselves, there is this desert, a desert of neither being in one place which has been some form of security, having something to do to keep our mind occupied, going away from those um, uh, those congestions of preoccupation towards a heart which feels like there's nothing there. And that's all due to disassociation. It's due to a kind of inner barrenness there. But if we keep connecting even with just a little feeling, a little feeling of love, a little feeling of appreciation, a little feeling of acknowledge, acknowledgement, a little feeling of sensitivity, and just connect with those small ones which arise. Maybe that from that, those small sparks and seeds, in a very real way, something begins to grow, something begins to be actually nourished inside, so that it goes from that, to something which has, well, I would say that, the, the, its original nature to it, which is, a, which is a living force in human beings, which is present but which we lose access to. In this movement, in this in- inwardness, and in this deep in- inward- inwardness, which the sages, the mystics, the contemplatives have s- frequently spoken about, in such a way that, it, that the, the communication has, as it were, given the highest accord to love by saying, God is love. You know, so, no better, shall we say, higher acknowledgement to. This wondrous field of love, and now in this going, going more deeply in, into things, in which there is a distinctive movement away from the cerebral, away from the mechanical, away from the repetitious, and the sense of that, meditatively speaking, is that growing sensitivity and aware and awareness in depth, that no action ever really repeats itself, that the way our our, uh, mind tends to assume that doing certain things in life, whether it's sitting and watching the breathing or Walking or eating or whatever has a tremendous sense of similar similarity to the past. Sure, at one level. But when total attention is being given to something in a deep, deepening, deepening way, then there can come about a connectedness to the action, disconnectedness to the action, true connectedness. the beginning of this force of love. Only the beginning please, only the beginning. And it's in disconnectedness inwardly or from life which blocks that power from its channeling, from its manifestation. And one of the things which is so important in this in this um, deepening for the force of love to manifest, and, w- and you know, th- you know, I'm, s- I'm speaking about this force of love. And I think it's quite important to, that we make it clear here. I'm not speaking about sometimes we experience the sudden upsurge of it. You know, you 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 meet somebody you haven't seen this person for a long time and and you've shared a lot together you've been through a lot together there's a closeness and in that moment or in that time the the love in that contact flows out sometimes it flows out towards that person you you can't even say anything just the two of you the three of you the group of you whatever just know that power of love in a small specialised situation the power of it comes through genuine feeling of love, and one would, in that time, in that experience, whatever that person asks you to do for them, you, 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 you do it freely, happily, joyfully, because you feel love for. But that's only a, lo- much as valuable as it is, it's only a localised love. It's a love within a particular context. It's a love for a particular, in a particular time and place. So when speaking about the force of love, it includes that. But the force of love has as its characteristic, it's is, is the sustained principle of it. That's its uniqueness, its feature. It doesn't require in depth, it doesn't require the particular. is not necessarily a, a tremendous upsurge which we love to feel. We sometimes, when there's the experience of falling in love as a genuine human experience, one f- actually falls in love. And one feels that life and that love and that sensation and that vibration and that care and, and giving and appreciation. What about on a daily, day-to-day basis? What about amidst, through the different forms and expressions that keeps showing itself to us? Now, that kind of love cannot be just through psychological processes. It can't just be through therapy. It can't just be through religious beliefs. It's got to have something else for it. Something integral in a human being. Something organic. Something which doesn't require the mind and doesn't require the belief in something. It doesn't require the past. Either in terms of its approval or its disapproval. There's something about the present, the living present and what's, what's actually happening for you and I in the present. There's something, in terms of uh, humanly speaking, I would say more significant more profound than any other form or structure that we might associate in with life. And so what I mean by that is that we might be very good in our particular role in life. We may be functioning very well. We may be a very good meditator or whatever our current fancy is. But if it isn't bringing out love, it's a complete and utter waste of time. From this standpoint of practice and spiritual work, it's a it's a waste. So in our in going in inwardly, and I'm just I mean i just t- touching on this on the beginnings of this, that in, in going in, inwardly in, into these things, you know, where are we connecting inwardly with this feeling factor? Here, now, today. Because it's that somehow has to begin channeling itself. The intimations within ourselves of that must and will come through if our practice is given a true care and attention. It must beginning to, begin to affect our thoughts and the structures of our mind and the formulations and our whole sense of views and opinions about the present and the whole way we think about the future. The intimations of that force, as it were, has such an order to it Getting access to it is so so that it truly permeates everything. And the extraordinary thing of this, that none of this love and its Power and its a sustained influence is very far away from us. It's all for all of us, very, very close at hand. And it's got something to do with inwardness, and depth, and and steadiness, and and the fullness of inner listening and receptivity. something to do with allowing that to flow. It may initially be a limited flow to an individual, to, to something in life which one loves dearly. But to la- enable, to allow that flow to flow so that it, it, it's ex- all the while it's genuinely expanding itself to, a, to that selfless love. And we might begin to see and discover that, that 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 abiding, that love, and our original nature, the true nature of a human being, truly consists of that, actually is that. And therefore our ideas of original sin and um, karma and um, being shaped by society, and that's what we are doesn't really at a deeper level just doesn't ring true it's only true at these upper levels of our mind and then the finally the exploration of of love is Also, the exploration of life. May all beings live with love, may all beings live with compassion. May all beings be in touch with this organic force.